The Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. Mina Mutafcheva is a VC at Dawn Capital, one of Europe's uh, largest venture capital firms. They recently raised their full fund, a $400 million fund, investing in Europe's most promising early stage B2B SaaS ventures at Series A and B. So, uh, Mina, a uh, very warm welcome to uh, this week's show. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, so, what's the appetite like in Europe for B2B SaaS venture funds? And how easy was it to raise a 400 million fund during the pandemic? Piece of cake. <laughs> of course, we worked very hard for it and we're very grateful and pleased um, to have been able to close it despite what's going on in the world. Very pleased and grateful also to our LPs to, to have stuck with us during a very uncertain time. But just to answer your first question, the appetite is, is huge, obviously, as we've seen with not just us, but a number of our friends and competitors raising, uh, raising quite a lot of money in the last 18 months. Definitely, the market is mature. There is a lot more capital and there's also a lot more talent in the market and a lot more people willing to do the really hard work, which is actually starting the the company and growing it and uh, dedicating, uh, you know, 10, 15 years of your life to entrepreneurship. So that's why I think it's a great time to have some money to deploy and find the next crop of uh, amazing European companies. I'd say as far as American LPs go, um, there is still a mixed bag. Everyone's very interested in Europe. Clearly, it's not been traditionally the place where they have deployed the most. Most people are still... 80% focused on the US uh, in terms of their allocations to venture, but clearly people are recognizing the great successes that have come out of Europe and uh, very happy to explore and put money to work in, uh, in European venture funds. So that's a great new development. One of the most challenging aspects of being a VC uh, and has COVID brought any fresh challenges? Wow, <laughs> where do we start? So. The challenge, I guess, is that you are only ever as good as the companies that you invest in, right? So being there for your entrepreneurs along the way early and enough is extremely, extremely important. There is a lot going on in the ecosystem and staying on top of the trends actually making sure that you really have something valuable to contribute, whether it's content, your network, and in my opinion, becoming more and more specialist in what you're talking about and the kind of things that you are following is going to be very important. Entrepreneurs are becoming, uh, well, they are very sophisticated. They understand that you need smart money. And the bet that we made here at Dawn is that the way to have smart money is to specialize and double down on something that we really believe in and understand. We have 40 portfolio companies that face very similar scaling challenges. And we can draw on that to support 
all the new companies that come into our portfolio. And I think that's been a big benefit and definitely something that we find is resonating now a lot more with entrepreneurs. The questions are very sophisticated. People are looking for someone that really understands their business model, really understands the market that they operate in and can draw on real experience and real success of the past to give advice and support them. And I think that's that's the challenge, staying ahead of the curve and staying really sharp in what you can actually do for the entrepreneurs that choose you to back them. And during the, the COVID era, has the advice and support that your CEOs and founders need to draw on, has that changed from what you were experiencing before the pandemic? Has it changed? I mean, certainly the focus has to some degree changed. I'd say we experienced probably three stages of the of the pandemic. I think we forget how uncertain and scary it was sort of in early March, mid-March when when everything shut down and the world seemed to be ending. And, and also it was not clear what a tremendous uh, government stimulus was coming our way, right? We didn't know that at the time. We didn't know that the Fed would just open the taps and, and, um, and here in the UK similarly, but also across the world, governments have been extremely aggressive in countering this. And, and I think that was the right choice to make. So that was very scary. And there was a moment of looking at the portfolio, understanding where everyone is, reassessing budgets, reassessing plans for the rest of the year. And in some cases, yes, right-sizing also people who had scaled up for tremendous growth, realizing that demand was just not going to be there. And so taking the necessary measures to to make sure that the company is fine and and doesn't need to be funded at at an uncertain time. And luckily we had very, our portfolio is very strong. So that was fast conversation, so to speak. And then I think uh, after the initial shock, what was refreshing and certainly helped some of our entrepreneurs, you know, we've been on a very long bull run and, um, you know, you're talking about growth, you're scaling, you're, it's sometimes easy to lose sight of why you started the company, companies are flush with cash, it's easy to get distracted and I think this moment was a great opportunity to reflect, go back to why you started the company. What's the true source of value creation? Where is it that you're actually truly building something unique? And let's focus on that and maybe shut down some of the other experiments and, and distractions that we were running. So I think that was an extremely healthy thing for some of our companies to go through and for others in the, in the market. I think we took that opportunity. And then finally, now we are in this moment where we're again in between. So certainly we are probably, I mean, we are already in a recession, right? Officially we are in a recession. Software spend is down this year, down next year, uh, according to what at least Gardner and Forrester are telling us. But there is huge opportunity and there is this refreshed way of, okay, we can find a way to do things differently a lot of new behaviors have suddenly become ingrained in a matter of weeks, which is incredible. And so I really look forward to this uh, this year's planning season because we are really going to be grappling with, okay, where is demand going to come from? How do we, uh, how do we think about next year's growth? Do we staff up? 
how do we think about projecting any of the trends that we're seeing? Can we project Q3 and Q4 into next year? Is there going to be a different way of software buyers thinking about what they need to what they need to be to be spending on? And uh, the way we're currently thinking about it and going through that exercise is that this is very crude, right? But you basically have to think in your company, which group do you fall into? If your company went bust tomorrow and your clients didn't have your product, would their revenues go down? Would their employees not be able to go to work? Would that be a big continuity gap for, for your clients? And if you're in that group, fantastic. Good for you. You are super valuable. And then you just kind of have to think about, right, what do I need to do to make sure I can capture further opportunity? Second group, if my software wasn't available tomorrow, would my clients experience a huge increase in cost? Would they have you know, a big deterioration in how efficiently they're doing things? Would they have to hire a bunch more people to, to replace what I'm doing? And if you're in that group, also good for you. Definitely something that everyone is thinking about becoming much more agile, much more, unfortunately, much less kind of people dependent. So also good for you. And then are you in a group where, all right, if my software was off tomorrow, it's kind of annoying, but honestly, people will just continue to do their work and, you know, they might actually be able to replace us with, with something else. Some people might be annoyed, but by and large, not much will happen. And if you're in that group, is there anything I can do in product development? Is there anything I can do in the way that I go to market or in the, in the customers that I target that, that changes that? Or do I need to just hunker down now and recognize that it will be a tough year and maybe spend some time thinking through strategy and product to make sure that whatever it is that we're offering is is really relevant and makes it to group one and two. So it's just a very sort of simplistic framework that we're offering and thinking through with our companies. But it's helpful. It's helpful to focus the mind. And it's also helpful to force ourselves to be intellectually honest about where we stand. You've talked a lot about the strategic and commercial and financial challenges and planning that's important because of COVID, but every one of us, and I guess all of your entrepreneurs, whether they're in group one, two, or three of your classifications, have been impacted by COVID in some way at a kind of mental or emotional level because of everything that's going on around us in terms of family, business, colleagues, friends, etc. So how are you helping your entrepreneurs overcome those challenges yeah absolutely i fully agree i think uh, if you're <laughs> if you're signing up to be an entrepreneur resilience is probably the number one personality trait that you really 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 need because even in in good times it's a roller coaster and uh, i feel like what's happened now is just well completely unprecedented so all of us have had to deal with completely different challenges to anything we were remotely prepared for. So the way that we have advised or, or helped our entrepreneurs, it just it's very, very individual. There's no there's no one size fit all and different people have different circumstances. 
some are combining a young family with starting a company. Some have, you know, vulnerable people in their households. And then for some, actually, business is booming and they need to figure out how to handle the fountain of new demand that's coming at them. And for some, they're having to make some tough choices in their companies to reduce burn or to to conquer down and and, uh, focus on product and maybe reduce some of the go-to-market spend. So we've, uh, we've been very deliberate with running through all of these different scenarios and different ways to different ways to determine where each one of our companies is. At dawn, what we find is that what is really helpful in a moment like that is to actually be extremely empathetic and thoughtful, but yet come with something that helps our entrepreneurs clarify the mind. So what is the framework? How are we going to break this down into something that doesn't seem like a big black mess? And how are we going to start to focus the mind on what's important? What of all these things that are kind of breaking or happening right now, where are we going to go? And I think as a first step, just helping clarify the mind has been extremely helpful in many, many cases. And then as a second step, you know, we have just gone ahead and identified what is it that this person needs? Do we need uh, to have a personal coach? We've done that in some cases. Frankly, do we just need to have a weekly catch-up where we make sure that we meet and we go for a walk and maybe walk through some of the important things that are on people's minds? And when do you need to apply some pressure to maybe get people to wake up and see that maybe there's some action that needs to be taken and where do you need to just say you know what you're doing great we're here to support you 100% and we'll spend the time talking through all the issues and we'll spend the time just being there to support you as much as possible so it's not been a one-size-fits-all but I think to the extent that you can be I don't know how to call that analytical and compassionate at the same time it's been a very very helpful exercise for for all of our entrepreneurs the other thing that i would say is that one of the key things i've noticed that a lot of i think entrepreneurs do is to um try to fix everything themselves (laughs) so you know this is breaking in sales or i don't CPO is ill or whatever and you just can't do that you need to be a CEO you need to make that transition from an individual entrepreneur to to a manager and a CEO and a leader and you need to allow your people to to help you and you need to allow your teams to to help you scale yourself and when you don't have the person in your team that should be your number one priority get that person that's going to help you fix that problem because they bring the experience, they bring the, they bring the know-how, they bring the connections. Lean on us wherever you can. But frankly, our number one uh, advice is you're there to build a company and building the company starts with building your team. You're not there to uh, fix everything by yourself. So that's, that's a piece of advice that's been very relevant uh, in these last few months. I bet that's been uh, absolutely crucial for some of the CEOs. I'm wondering whether you need to 
amend the classical VC job description to include counselling and therapist? <laughs> I've certainly felt that way. Unfortunately, I'm not sure I'm particularly well qualified to do that, but I've certainly done my best. I have certainly done my best. It's very important, you know. The, I mean, in the end of the day, these companies are so fragile, and if they're just as much as they have fantastic technology, great teams, the person that really is in the middle of it all is the entrepreneur, the founder, and uh, if they kind of go into some kind of a block or cannot perform, it can be very, very, very detrimental to a company at this stage. So our founders are the most important people. We recognize that and we try to help them in whatever way we can. Now, when you invest in companies at, at Dawn Capital, what are your main criteria? How do you how do you evaluate really early stage CEOs and founders? Sure. So we don't, um, I should just caveat here to say that we are Series A investors. So we won't, we wouldn't go and invest into a seed or pre-seed round. So we do have, by the time we invest, we typically, we typically have some metrics and some traction and some customers to rely on and, and look at a more data-driven story than some. But um, what should I say? I'd say we are extremely driven by defensibility of the product that you're building, traction and metrics, and obviously huge amount, like I said, depends on the founder. So we spend, we spend a lot of time with founders, understanding what their objective, objectives are for the business, where can we, where can be, we be really helpful in scaling. But our number one criterion actually for evaluating a, a CEO is whether we believe this person can can build a great team around them, can they inspire and attract people that they don't maybe yet deserve, given the stage uh, that they're at and the maturity of the company, but but deserve because they have a fantastic idea, have built a fantastic piece of product, and they themselves carry the the gravitas and the, and the passion to, to build the company. We are very strong believers in hiring kick-ass teams as much as, as much as possible, hiring people that you don't think you deserve, bringing in experience and, um, and know-how that can immediately help you scale. And we really evaluate our CEOs and their ability to attract and, and, and empower people like that. And give up some of the reins too, <laughs> because you have to <laughs> when you're bringing out these when you're bringing out these rock stars. So they need to be able to inspire and attract a kick-ass team. Last time you also mentioned, last time we spoke, you also mentioned self-awareness is important in the criteria you have for evaluating founders. So, how do you get a sense of whether a CEO or a founder is is truly self-aware? Great question. I don't think uh, there is a... You're never perfectly right, right? But um, we have our evaluation matrix, if you will, and we have a lot of... kind of, We always put a lot of thought into every investment that we make. So it's really through conversation with founders, finding places where we can perhaps challenge them, 
and have a different view and a healthy debate and then seeing kind of what do they do with that information? Do they just sort of completely discard it, which fair enough, we're not always right, but do they then actually truly spend time thinking about it and reflecting and then again, making up their mind to say, you know what, you're just wrong. I'm not going to do that. Or actually taking it on board and figuring out ways to to implement it into what they're doing. We also spend a lot of time when we can observing how they interact and, um, and deal with their teams. Are they giving their teams the ability to shine? Do they truly rely on their people to, to be great? And have they actually picked people that we think are truly creating value for the company and raising the raising the quality of the team? Are they surrounding themselves with people who are truly better than them in that specific piece that they're doing? And can they take can they take that, right? Can they take the criticism? Can they take the challenge? And then we obviously do quite thorough referencing on people who have worked with them in the past. We talk to their existing investors uh, to understand what's the best way to deal with with the founder. And don't get me wrong, we truly believe that no one knows a company better than the founder. And they need to be headstrong and they need to be convinced and they need to have very strong views on where they're taking the company. But can they figure out where they maybe have a blind spot or if you point out that something may be a blind spot? What's the reaction to that? Is it defensiveness and immediately kind of turning a blind eye or is it reflection? So you can learn a lot about people in just conversation and uh, and truly trying to understand where they want to take their company. So we try to do that. Nina, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today's show. Thanking you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Gary. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent. <laughs>